Thanks for listening to the podcast from River's Edge Church in Spokane, Washington. For more information or to gather with us on Sundays, please visit our website at respokane.org. We hope this message is impactful for you and others as we pursue the way of Jesus together. It's great to be with you this morning. Um, If you're new here at River's Edge, I'm one of the leaders. My name is Tracy, uh, and I haven't met you yet. I hope to meet you afterwards. Um, We're a family here, as Matt said, and everything we do is for a specific purpose, and that is to push us into the presence of God and his mission for us. And um, we've been, we were about halfway through our vision series. We started a couple weeks ago. Last week, uh, well, two weeks ago, if you were here, Ray Lowe shared on the Holy Spirit. Last week, Matt shared on what it meant to be um, a kingdom. And today, I'm going to talk about mission. I'm going to talk about kingdom mission. So that's where we're going to be today. Um, if you want to, if you have a Bible app or a Bible, you can start out in the book of Matthew, the very end, the very last paragraph in Matthew. And we're actually going to key in on, focus in on the verse that's in bold up on the wall behind me. So... But we're going to be all over um, some different passages as well. But as you're turning there, I want to share again the same word that Matt shared last week about this kind of vision that was shared with Regions Beyond. And I'm, I'm uh, bringing it up again because we really feel as a leadership that it's very important that we understand the things that are going to influence us in the direction that we're going this year at River's Edge and kind of across the movement as well. Um, and this was the word that was brought to uh, the leadership, and we've been carrying it since when? Since about April, Matt, is that right? Here's the word. It says, we believe Regions Beyond is entering a new era. This is not a new season, as a season can be recognized as something that's been experienced before. Instead, we believe God is leading us into a new era that we want to embrace and receive with expectation. And there were seven components of that new era that Matt shared last week. The first was greater reliance on prayer. The second was greater reliance on the Spirit. The third was a kingdom people, not kings. The fourth one that we're going to focus in on today is God capturing our hearts for unreached people here and abroad. Fifth is more church happening outside of Sunday, outside of the building, outside of this gathered space. Sixth is greater battles, but easier victories. And the seventh one is pioneering things differently. In other words, a breaking of the mold. So not necessarily doing the same things, but actually with expectation, following God's lead into where we're going. That is filtering what we're doing as a leadership at River's Edge. It's, 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 giving, um, it's giving flavor to the decisions that we're making the prayers that we're moving through, how we're teaching through this year, a number of things. And so we want to continue to kind of hold that, and we're going to ask you to hold that as well. We're going to ask you to hold what that looks like individually for you. And we've been in this five-week series, and today we're going to focus in on this unreached people. And God capturing our hearts for unreached people, both here and abroad. I called it kingdom mission because I really believe that 
mission is at the heart of who God is. God is missional. And a missional theology or a theology of mission has to flow out of the Trinity. It has to flow out of our understanding of God being Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He created all things, and then after the fall, his mission was to restore and redeem creation. It's interesting that mission, God's mission, came before the church. God has always been about restoring his original intention for his creation. And we get to be a part of that. God's always been on mission. If we look at the story, if you were with us a year and a half ago when we started our Genesis series and kind of going through the whole Bible, and we looked at that kind of 30,000-foot view of the big story picture of God. God starts out with creation. And then we spent time looking at the fall. And then we went into redemption or God's plan to restore things to his original intention. Moving towards eventually the new creation, when, God, when Jesus comes back and things are restored and we have this new heaven and new earth. And in two or three weeks, we'll be starting in a series on Revelation, which will take us through the rest of the year. And we'll be talking about that. But mission is at the heart of who God is. And we, as God's people, are called to participate in that mission. We're called to be a part of it. We're called to, to have that, that missional heart that God has and to listen and to follow the things that he wants us to do. Calling people into mission has been part of God's redemptive plan from the beginning. And so all throughout Scripture, we see God acts as this missional God, this God who is putting people into mission, creating and calling and sending people all over to his mission. Remember Abraham? Abraham in Genesis chapter 12, God meets with Abraham and he calls him and he sends him. So God is at the very beginning and is part of plan of redemption, sending his creation, sending people who will respond to his word and go. Joseph was sent unwillingly at first to Egypt, thrown into a pit by his brothers, ended up sold into slavery, but he ended up being in a place where he could save his people from a famine. Moses, the same way. Even though he also didn't want to follow God's direction at first, but he ends up re- being, being the man who God chose to lead his people out of the Exodus. Lead his people, deliver them from exploitation and oppression. Elijah, the prophet, was sent to influence international po- politics. Jeremiah was sent to proclaim God's word. Isaiah spoke the words that Jesus would later claim on his mission to pronounce the inbreaking of the kingdom in Isaiah 61, Luke chapter 4. The first words that Jesus spoke. In fact, Jesus' entire ministry was on mission with God. John 5, 19 says, Very truly, I tell you, the Son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees the Father doing, because whatever the Father does, the Son also does. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all he does. Yes, he will show him greater works than these, so that you will be amazed, Jesus said. And then at the end of his ministry, Jesus sends the disciples. He sent the disciples to go and preach the gospel and demonstrate what the kingdom mission was all about, bringing unreached people into relationship with God, bringing people who did not know what it meant to be in a relationship with God back into relationship with him. 
And Jesus tells the disciples to wait for the coming Holy Spirit. And in John 14, 26, he says, The Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have said. So the Holy Spirit comes, and the Holy Spirit comes to fill us and to cleanse us and to heal us and to empower us for kingdom mission. And all throughout the book of Acts, we see that being done, just that being done. And so then we, called by God, filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, like Matt talked about last week, given gifts, given ministries, given manifestations of the Spirit to do kingdom mission, then we find ourselves caught up in the story, and then we go in Jesus' name and the power of the Spirit to do the very work in the kingdom wherever we find ourselves. It could be praying for the sick. It could be praying for release of people out of bondage like Jesus did in in Isaiah 61 and in Luke chapter 4 and throughout his ministry. It could be introducing people to who Jesus is. But what's important to see, I think, this morning is that part of our identity as followers of Jesus is this idea of being a sent one. That God has chosen us, God has empowered us, and God is sending us on mission. God is sending us and catching us up in His mission. And that's what we're a part of, and that's what we feel strongly about here. Becoming a people empowered by the Holy Spirit to live out the mission of God, both here and around the world. So wherever we find ourselves, in whatever vocation God has us, we ask the Holy Spirit to equip us and empower us to live out the mission of God and reach the unreached, both here and around the world. Reach the unreached and make disciples of all nations. And that happens in your homes. It happens in your workplace. It happens in your neighborhood, but it's all meant to happen well beyond that as well. As Jesus calls us into this unknown territory to step out and make disciples of all nations. The very last words that Jesus spoke to his disciples, the last words that he would leave with them were these words. I think they were purposeful. I think they were meant to infect the disciples with what Jesus wanted to see happen. And when the Holy Spirit came, this very thing started to take place. This very thing started to take place. And throughout the book of Acts, we see that. And one of the key reasons that we share and teach about our vision this time each year, we have this four or five week vision series every September. One of the key reasons that we do this each year is because we feel so strongly about the importance of aligning our vision as the people of God here at River's Edge with the mission and heart of God. Our vision drives our action and reveals our passion for the mission of God. If we don't have vision, if we don't know where God wants us to go, then we're likely not going to end up where he wants us to be. Because our mission, our vision, our vision here at River's Edge 
drives our action and reveals our passion for the mission of God. It's one of the reasons that we're inviting people to come from downtown Spokane to speak into what's going on in our city, to help people who are in need, to help people who are impoverished, to help people who are addicted to different things because they've got, they've got influence, they've got ministry time, they understand what works. We want to be about that because our vision has to drive our action. And that's what's taking place. It's what took place last week when Matt was talking about the Holy Spirit gifting us. So how does this work itself out practically? How does this work itself out as just common people here at River's Edge, Christians who are living our life? I want to share a few key thoughts about where our vision drives this kingdom mission and is driving our action as a gathered community at River's Edge. And the first one is it's driving our action in how we're, we're discipling and leading and equipping people. We started a year ago with this discipleship training initiative and we went through a whole series of discipling people and teaching them what it meant to be a follower of Jesus in your home, in your personal life, in your home, in your community, in your school, wherever you find yourself. And so we, we model that after Jesus. Jesus spent time with three, and then he spent time with 12, and then he spent time with 72. And we spend time together in missional communities. And next week, Kelly Walters is going to teach us from, from, uh, from the scriptures what it means to really be a gathered community, a missional community. I'm looking, looking forward to, to seeing what that looks like. But it really means raising up people also with gifts in leadership and gifts in prophetic ministry and evangelism and teaching and pastoral care. We do believe in the Ephesians 4 model of ministry, where people are gifted in different areas and everyone has a gift to bring to the body like Mac talked about just a little while ago. Each of you here is gifted by God in specific ways. And if you ask him, those gifts will rise up to the surface. They'll, they'll begin to, to, to float up to the top so that you can begin to move out in those and use those. So as a church, we're specifically raising up leaders, raising up people, teaching disciples, teaching disciples what it means to obey Jesus, to follow his lead. The second thing is that we really believe that being a people commissioned by God on mission, bivocationally, what does that mean? It means that you don't have to be a pastor, you don't have to be a worship leader. Wherever you are is a mission field. Wherever you are. Whether you're a doctor, whether you're a student, whether you're a farmer, it doesn't matter who you are, where you are is a mission field. And God will use your gifts in that mission field to see his kingdom come. That's what kingdom mission looks like. What we do vocationally can lead us to advancing the gospel also to the nations. Think about education. If you're a teacher, how many teachers are, are future teachers in the room today? I know there's a few of you, yeah. And even retired teachers count, Kelly. Okay, there you go. But at our schools and universities, I mean, that is also a mission field. But think about it. If you have that gift of teaching, God is using that gift in people all over the world right now. We were just, we spent two weeks in the Philippines. They have such a need to plant schools and train up people to plant schools and train people on the ground there to teach in those schools. 
I shared with you about a ministry that we're partnering with in Liberia, George Dada. He's got six churches now, two of which are in uh, Monrovia, Liberia, and his schools are now attracting the Muslim families in his neighborhoods because they are the best school in the city. And even though he says, do you understand that we are a Christian school? We will teach Christian values and principles. They say, it doesn't matter. We want the best training they have so for our children that we can get. So God is using teachers in that community to advance the gospel. Whatever your vocation is, it's an opportunity to see the gospel advanced. Seeing your workplace as a mission field, either as an employer or as an employee, and advancing the gospel through kingdom mission. It might be microfinance. It might be being a part of teaching people how to use uh, IT or, or computers. Whatever it might be, God can use you both here and around the world in whatever you are doing in work. Think about the healthcare system. The healthcare system in Spokane County, the recent census in 2017 county statistics showed that there of the 506,000 people living in Spokane County, some 42,000 are involved in the healthcare system. If you are a healthcare worker of any kind, you are in the biggest mission field in Spokane County. And not only that, but the people that Matt was talking about this morning, people who, who, whose life choices or circumstances or mental health conditions or whatever it might be, have put them in situations when they access the healthcare system, that is an opportunity every single time. There's also great need around the world. I work for Providence. I spent a couple days on Tuesday and Wednesday at Sacred Heart uh, doing some training so I could be a trainer in some advanced communication techniques. And the doctor that was leading this, um, in 1999, he was an IT computer programmer. His name was uh, Matt Gonzalez. He wrote a code that enabled doctors to quickly decipher which AIDS patients in Africa at the time, would be able to, to, um, to utilize the medications that were available. Some, some would be rejected, some would be specific to certain, certain uh, disease you know, criteria. And, and in 1999, he wrote this code. He would have no idea that we also are involved at Regions Beyond here at River's Edge. In, in 2017, we went to South Africa, and in South Africa, they had a ministry called um, uh, Community Groups of Care. At one time, from, 19, from 2000 until 2017, when they shut down the ministry, they were caring for 300 AIDS patients on a weekly basis, just out of a little church. They were caring for them all the way through end of life, because there, no, there was no system to take care of people. And from that 300, some, some, some 4,800 people, they estimate, went through over those 16 years, went through their, their caregiving program. To the point where, when I was at Sacred Heart on, on Wednesday, I could share with him, do you know that, that it's likely that the program that you wrote affected such a change in Africa that in a community that I visited in 2017, 
they have no need of AIDS-related care because the disease has all but been eradicated? That's kingdom mission. That's using the gifts that God has created in you and given you to further the kingdom. I know we have more than one gardener in here. Some of you, I think, are master gardeners or floral gardeners or something like that. But you know what teaching farming principles around the world can do to a small family able to feed themselves? To be able to take a family and show them that in a a 10-foot by 10-foot or a 3-meter by 3-meter patch, they can create a sustainable garden that will not only feed them, but continue on. See, that's using principles. That's using the gifts that God has given you. It's actually using things that you're passionate about to see the kingdom come. And it doesn't matter if you're in a family or if you're in a university and you're not married yet, God has gifted you to advance the gospel where you are. And our neighborhoods and communities and towns and cities and streets desperately need to see what it looks like to be part of the kingdom of God. The third one is that when our hearts are aligned with the mission of God, we will move out and advance the gospel into new nations. We'll move out and advance the gospel into new areas. Unreached people groups. Jenny, my wife and I were in uh, the Philippines uh, the first two weeks of, of uh, August. And we uh, were part of a, a conference that had people represented from 14 different nations. And of those 14 different nations, four or five of them stand out, which just in Nepal alone... There are 265 unreached people groups or villages that are specific to some of the high Himalayan villages. And in Bhutan and in all of the countries along northern India and all of the dialects along northern India are all different as well. There are people that don't even know the name of Jesus yet. And there are people here in Spokane that haven't heard the name of Jesus yet either. I know it's hard to believe. But we are called to advance the gospel. Jesus didn't say, go and and just keep doing what I've already started. He said, go and make disciples of all nations. Jesus hadn't been to all nations at that time. His ministry was within a 50-mile radius of Jerusalem. Who's he expecting to do that? His disciples, yes. By the time Acts chapter 7, 8, and 9 come along, this guy named Saul who turns into Paul takes that, grabs onto that call, goes to many different nations. But he's really talking to us too. He's, He's talking to us because we need to understand that we are called to carry that torch that Jesus spoke in Matthew 28. And when we go, we need to go with a specific purpose. Learning their language. Missionary trips, oftentimes, if you want to use the kind of the term missionary trips that maybe some of us are familiar with, oftentimes they either go to an English-speaking section of the world, 
or they go with an interpreter. But how often are we learning the language of where we're going? And I'm not just talking about around the world. Because there's a whole subculture and language down on the streets of Spokane downtown on a Friday and Saturday night. And if we don't understand how to communicate to the people that we're trying to share the gospel to, we're not ever going to communicate effectively in a way that they can receive. The Holy Spirit, yes, will open up the eyes of their heart, but we are called to do everything we can to share with what God has given us. So we need to learn new languages. And I think it's vital, vital that we communicate in their language. I don't know a lot of Tagalog. That's the native language in the Philippines. But I can say, Amangdang umaga. That means good morning. So when I get up and I speak somewhere, if you're Filipino, I might have just completely... Did, 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 did I say it fairly close? No? Okay. <laughs> Well, they told me I did. They were, they were gracious to me. But we need to communicate in ways that people can understand and, and do a good job with that. And in our church planning, establishing communities of the Spirit both here and around the world, and raising up leaders and leaders that are willing to not only go, but will plant Spirit-filled, kingdom-mission-minded communities of faith. I think it's important that we talk about these things because it's part of what God wants us to grasp hold of, I believe. And we believe that here at River's Edge. So how do we apply that individually? We've got this big kind of all-encompassing vision that Jesus has given the disciples. He's spoken it out. We've received that when we read the Word of God. How do we apply that individually? Since we're all called to this kingdom mission. Well, one of the things I think it starts with is a personal encounter. It starts with being in the process, in the, it starts with being in the presence of God. And I loved, I loved what Laura Lee shared last Sunday, if you were here. But she shared about what was important was spending time in the presence of God. If we want to hear from God, if we want to understand what God is, is calling us to do, then we physically have to spend time asking Him in the presence of God. Quiet times, Bible study, prayer, all of that. We have to spend time with God. Because waiting upon God is vital in order to see Him and hear from Him and receive vision from Him. And the vision we see from him has the power to affect our lives because seeing God always transform, transforms lives. If you think about Moses in the burning bush, his life was completely transformed. If you think of Isaiah, when he got that vision of God, it, the vision says, I see the Lord high and exalted, sitting up on his throne, and the train of his robe fills the temple with glory. And he realized who he was, and he realized who God was. And all of a sudden, it says this, this, this uh, seraphim flew down, and, and a burning coal touched his lips, and he was clean. And the first words of response from Isaiah was, when God said, who will go? Isaiah said, hear my Lord, send me. A vision of God and an encounter with God will always lead to transformation. It doesn't matter who you are, but if you encounter God, you will be changed. 
you will be changed. It's part of who God is. Some of you, God will call to other nations to bring the gospel to unreached people groups in distant lands. Some of you are going to be called to communities and neighborhoods. And, and your focus is going to be on maybe the downtown, or it's going to be this east, it's going to be this west central corridor. But all of us are called to receive vision from God that reveals our mission in the church and in our families and in our neighborhoods and in our cities. We need to ask God to give us fresh revelation of our role in His kingdom mission. Be still, sit in His presence, and He will speak life and kingdom mission into your heart. There are many who are willing to pray. I would say that most of us here today would say we're willing to pray. And some of us are willing to give to for others to go and share the gospel. And, and people are needed to do that. People are needed to bless the kingdom work that's going on around and, and keep it fueled with prayer. And, and, and God is grateful for all of that. But God is also looking for builders. He's looking for people who are willing to say, like Isaiah, here am I. Would you send me? Would you use me? I wonder how many of you sitting here today will be in that very situation a year or two or three from now. In 2015, when my family and I went to a conference in Missoula, I heard a guy named Steve Oliver speak, and afterwards I felt compelled to go up for prayer. I don't know how else to say it. I felt like God, I felt like the Holy Spirit was picking me up by the back of my by the by the scruff of my neck. Hopefully it wasn't too scruffy, but picking me up and, and carrying me up there. And I just all of a sudden found myself standing there. And I had not even met him before. And he, he just uh, I just said, I, I feel like God wants you to pray for me. And and he prayed for me and he, he told me that the Holy Spirit had given him this kind of picture. And the picture was of me ministering to these Filipino people. And I told him, hmm, it's probably India. I've been to India before. I've got a picture, you know, I pulled it up on my phone. Nope, nope, Filipino people. When, we, when my wife and I went to the Philippines this last August, it was my seventh trip since... February of 2016. Because when God, when, when you encounter God, your life is transformed. You will go places you never thought that God would call you to. And you will do things that you never thought you could do because it's God who's doing them through you. That's what kingdom mission is. Some of you are already on that journey. Some of you are already there. And that's what we're praying for here at River's Edge. We're praying for more of this opportunity for God to capture our hearts for kingdom mission. So that when we go to places like Dalian, China, we're on mission. We have a ministry partner there in Dalian. His name is Mordecai. He was 
been praying and supporting him in prayer and in different ways for two years. And, and he was with us in the Philippines. And, and, and because his church had grown, the authorities in China had, had kind of come in and broken him up. Came to his business and said, we know who you are. We know who your followers are. We know what you're doing. We know what you're saying. Pulled up all kinds of emails and stuff that they've been monitoring. Monitoring. They threw him out of Dalian, made him go to South Korea. For a while, he was Korean-Chinese. And what that did was it turned his little group of people, of about 60 people at the time, into a whole bunch of house groups all over Dalian. And so now God has given him a new vision of 50 house groups of under 50 people because he found out if your church grows to over 50 people, then they'll start monitoring you. They don't believe that, that a small group of people gathering will have much influence. And so God has used that. There's people sitting here today that have been to Dalian and pray for Dalian and pray for what's going on there. God will use you because he's been faithful to speak to his people about what he wants to do in kingdom mission. He's been faithful to speak to us as his kingdom people because God's desire is to align our hearts with his vision for going and making disciples of all nations to every corner of the earth. And there are some practical ways that we can plan to do that in the coming years. We are relationally connected to over 200 churches around the world. Just Little River's Edge here. We're relationally connected to over 200 churches. But there are a few in particular that we have unique relationships with. We know where God is calling us to invest and make disciples of all nations. Places where God is already beginning to capture our heart for unreached people groups. Remember, our vision drives our action, which reveals our passion for the mission of God. It's strategic, it's specific, it's prayerful, it's adjusted as needed. But we're moving in a direction here at River's Edge. And in the coming years, we'll be moving out into the nations on mission together with God. You've already heard about moving into our neighborhoods on mission. Next week is an example of that. You've already heard about moving into our corridor here in the West Central we're specifically doing that, and we're strategic about that. But God will also call us to go to some of these people groups around the world. In May, this next May, eight months from now, we're going to take a group to Tarlac City, the Philippines. So Tarlac City is the, will be the sixth church we've planted since 2015 in Greater Manila. And we're taking people who have a heart for the gospel. We're going to do sports evangelism camps with the churches that are already there. Kim and his wife, Smile, have moved and are already building um, kind of the infrastructure in Tarlac City and starting to build up. They've got uh, three or four house groups already in the last four months. And so we're going to launch a church there. We're going to do sports evangelism, music evangelism, and we're going to do gospel advance with them, partnering with them. And some of you will go on that trip. It's eight months from now. 
Start praying and thinking and asking, Lord, what do you want me to do? How do you want me to be involved? How can I use my gift? There are so many people gifted in music. I'm looking out at you right now. There are so many of you gifted in sports that would love to play basketball. I'm sorry, but pretty much the only sport they like in the Philippines is basketball. Is that, is that true? Yeah, it's a national, it's a national pastime. But it, it's just infectious to go. We're going. We're going and being a part of that. Matt and I, sometime <clears throat> by the end of 2021, will be taking a small team to northern India and gathering our pastors and some of the leaders in Bhutan and in Nepal to kind of create um, an going to be an encouragement conference. We can't. You can't. All three of those areas are closed now to the gospel. Nepal was open for 10 years. They had a new leadership come in. It's closed now. So you can go in and you can encourage the Christians that are there, existing, but you can't share the gospel and try to change them from their existing faith. We go in the way that we can go to encourage who's there and to see the gospel advance because of what God is already doing there. But they, they need us. They're asking for us. They want us to be a part of what's taking place. If you ask, I believe God will call some of you to participate in the mission of God in those areas. All of us pray. Many of us give. Far more of us should go as well. I believe that. But as we step into this new era that I've shared and Matt shared last week, we want to be a people that are led by the Spirit every step of the way. Empowered by the Spirit and led by the Spirit. And people who encounter God. The people who encounter God are the ones who are moved to be a mission with God in their neighborhoods and in the nations. And we're praying that God will capture our hearts for the unreached people around the world and around the corner. Are you willing to pray for that? I'm going to ask Janie to come up now. My wife, she kind of received a word when we were in the Philippines. It was very meaningful for her. And then uh, after she's done, I'll open up the tables. So while we were at, while we were at the conference, I had... Um, a couple days before I had been praying and I had a, a vision and it started out as this huge mountain and then it would shrink down to a hill and then eventually it, it, was, it looked like a road. And so I sat with it for a few days and then God gave me this scripture in Isaiah that says, I will turn all my mountains into roads. And I just sensed that God was saying, um, that we, we see all these obstacles, we see these mountains. And at the time in the conference, there was, we were talking about closed nations and we we're talking about real persecution. But I think um, it's applicable to us today because we have so many, there are so many obstacles that keep us from going. There's so many mountains, uh, things that would deter us from going, even, even sharing the gospel in our workplace. Or sometimes I think, well, I don't know Chinese, or I don't, um, it's a closed nation. Is that, you know, that seems like a scary thing. But I think that God is wanting to, to show us today that 
his mission is for everyone. It's for all of us. And he does turn mountains into roads. And the roads lead us out in the power of the Holy Spirit to carry his mission to advance the gospel to places in our city and all the way to unreached people groups. And I just want to read um, Isaiah 49 uh, just as an encouragement to us today as we're seeking God and, and asking him to give us his vision for how we're to carry his mission to the nations and to our neighborhoods. says, this is what the Lord says, in the time of my favor, I will answer you. In the day of salvation, I will help you. I will keep you and make you to be a covenant for the people to restore the land, to reassign its desolate inheritance, to say to the captives, come out, and to those in darkness, be free. They will feed beside the roads and find pasture on every barren hill. They will neither hunger nor thirst, nor will the desert heat or the sun beat down on them. He who has compassion on them will guide them and lead them beside springs of waters. And here it is, verse 11. I will turn all my mountains into roads, and my highways will be raised up. So they will come from afar, some from the north, from the south, from the east, and from the west. Shout for joy, you heavens. Rejoice, you earth, burst into song, you mountains. So be encouraged. Hmm. I don't know if you're here this morning and maybe you've heard this word and you're thinking, yeah, but my mountain is pretty big. Um, my mountain is pretty, pretty substantial. God, God's word says he will turn that mountain into a road. It's a road of opportunity. It's in a road of opportunity for someone somewhere, and especially for you. So ask him, whatever that mountain is. Only You know. You know what it is. Ask him, Lord, how, how would you turn my mountain into a road? Because he wants us to be people who are so in tune with him with the Spirit, and in following the gospel advance that Jesus spoke to us, that we don't see the mountain. We just see the way through it. Because that's what he's showing us. I'm going to open up the communion tables this morning. We have an open table here at River's Edge. If you're a believer in Jesus, the tables are open for you. Jesus came to call and to send people to share who he is and what he has done and what he has done on the cross was to pay a way for us to be back into relationship with him and his father and the holy spirit that's what this represents the body that was broken for us and the blood that was shed for us so as we continue in worship this morning um i'm going to invite you to come to the table and ask God, Lord, how would you have me respond? How would you have me respond?